thank you guys. Our worship couldn't have been any more perfect this morning for the series that we're in and for the topic of today's sermon. Even the last song, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And the confidence in that, uh, those verses was that, that it will be Christ who brings us home. Ultimately, it's not up to us. In fact, it could not be up to us. We don't have the strength and the power to save ourselves and to bring us home to heaven. Uh, but praise God, Jesus does. And nothing is impossible for him. And so that's the, that's the topic of our, of our message today. We're looking at a group of people uh, who have this question in mind. A am I going to make it to the end? I've had this experience of salvation and the Gentiles uh, in the text that we're going to look at have been outside of the promises of God and the, the people of God. But now they've been, <clears throat> the, the way of salvation has been opened up and they're constantly questioning, is this for real? A am I fully a member of the household of God? Uh, is this going to last? And the Apostle Paul is in prison facing ultimately execution at some time, but he's in prison here and he writes this letter to Gentile churches, almost like a final word. Almost, I've got to leave you with this because I know you're wavering and I know you're uncertain. And I want you to know for sure, if, if I'm not able to speak to you again, if my life is forfeit after this, I want you to know for sure that God has brought you into the household of faith. That the blood of Jesus is enough to cover you and to make you full members of the household of God. That's why he writes to them today. And so I thank you for our choir and worship leaders for uh, leading us in that direction already. Pray for them, if you will. They're preparing for our Christmas musical two weeks away, two Sundays from now. We'll be in this place celebrating Jesus in music. You know they always do a wonderful job. You know Trey always has the gospel front and center. Jesus will be exalted. If you invite your friends and family to that, um, they're going to hear a clear message of salvation and what it means that Jesus is here. And so you feel confident of that. Pray for them, if you will, uh, as they do this. A word of thanks also to these who serve every Sunday uh, in our balcony um, on sound and media who often go overlooked. I'm thankful for them and for the part they play. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. I love to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. As you know, I've been deprived of this for some time because Disney took it off of the channel that I watch it on and hoarded it up on their own streaming service. So you can only watch AFV on the Disney whatever platform. And so I haven't been able to watch it for a while. I'm going through withdrawals of people running into glass windows and falling off trampolines and uh, ruining their above-ground swimming pools and flooding the yard. All this stuff that you see on AFE, I love it. Uh, one of my favorites is the fake lotto ticket gag. Anybody seen, seen those or been the victim of that, perhaps? All right, Harrison has. All right, you've seen it, okay. Uh, what happens is it'd be at a Christmas party or a gathering and uh, the gift that's given to everybody there by one person will be a, a, a lottery ticket. Maybe you've been in a, a setting like that. I had a grandmother who gave lotto tickets every Christmas, uh, and I never won, uh, but I got a lotto ticket. 
uh, every Christmas from my grandmother from New York. And um, anyway, step-grandmother, anyway, uh, she, uh, she would give us these. And in this gag, uh, everybody's in on it except one person who has a fake winning ticket. And they win multiple, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And you can watch on the, the video, they scratch off the numbers and it gets closer and closer. And you can see their eyes widen. They get excited, like, is this going to happen? And I mean, one more number left and they go crazy. I mean, they lose it. They have won the lottery. And they go screaming around the room holding their ticket, I won, I won. And it's, it's millions of dollars, and you can see all the dreams of their life just cranking in their head. Here's what I'm going to buy. Here's what I'm going to do for my mom, you know. Yeah, here's here's all, the, uh, all the ways I'm going to spend this and live my life differently. And at some point they say, well, did you look on the, on the back? And then it's a little picture there with a smiley face that says, you've been had, or something like that. <laughs> and you can see it. it on all the skits on AFV. There's none that produces real anger like this one, right? Most of them are funny, but in this one, you can see the, 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 the discouragement and the deflation and then the fury on their face because all their hopes in this moment have just been taken away. They thought it was for what? Real. And then it was fake. It was empty. Can you imagine living your Christian life that way? Can you imagine day to day saying, is this for real? Am I going to make it home? Is God going to keep me uh, safe and secure in the situation I'm in? Is my next misstep, is my next falter to temptation, is that going to undo me and leave me fatherless again? In a, in, a, in a world all alone? You can see it on their faces in AFE and you can almost sense it. In this setting here, the fear, the loss, the heartache of living that way. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to them. So if you'll take your Bible, and uh, you will need your Bible today if you have one. <clears throat> you might want to mark it or mark it uh, or, fl or flip to it, and we're going to have a few uh, verses I want you to see. If you don't have a Bible today, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. We have those for you on the table in the back as you leave. You grab one at no cost to you, just a gift from our heart to yours. Uh, those are good copies of Scripture that I know will bless you. And so you take that if you need it. The Apostle writes, beginning in verse 11, <clears throat> In Him we have obtained... An inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let's stop for a second. Last week, we talked about predestination some. Not my word, the Bible's word. Not only in Ephesians, but throughout the New Testament and demonstrated even in the Old Testament. We talked about predestination. We talked about how the opening of this letter says that uh, that God chose us in Christ, in Him, before what? The foundations of the world. Pro orizo, remember that? Before the horizon, God chose us in Christ. And that is repeated here in verse 11 and 12. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. The word guarantee there is earnest. Uh, it means earnest money. And this is a Hebrew word. In the Greek New Testament, this is a word that the writer here, under inspiration of God, reached way back to the ancient Hebrew language and brought up a practice of, of laying down earnest money, which we still do today. He would take, uh, if you're going to buy something, a car or a, a house, you might say, you know, the, the deal's not done yet. It's not final, but you lay down some earnest money here to prove that you're serious, to prove that you will come through. And the Holy Spirit is our earnest. That, that's the word, just earnest. The, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. How do we know our inheritance will last? How do we know this is for real? How do we know the, the salvation, the gift that God has given us in Christ uh, that, that we look at, that we've received, is uh, uh, authentic? How do we know it won't be lost? Four assurances the Bible gives us here. The first is this. We see here the promise of the inheritance. We see the promise of this inheritance. Notice that the Bible speaks here with past tense certainty about something that has not come to fully happen yet. We have obtained an inheritance. But then later on we see in this text that uh, the Holy Spirit is the earnest or the guarantee of our inheritance until what? We acquire possession of it. So having yet to acquire possession of it, that day in heaven with God, when we meet him face to face, when we, are fully, uh, we fully realize our inheritance, we haven't done that yet, but still the Bible speaks with such certainty as if to say we have already obtained it. We have obtained this inheritance. We've, we've obtained it. We know it's true, and we can have our confidence in it because of what it's according to. What is it according to in verse 11? We have been predestined according to what? The purpose of who? God. The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It matters what something is according to, doesn't it? It matters if something is according to the Gainesville Times, right? You pick up a copy of the, the, the newspaper, or if it's according to one of those free, you know, free newspapers you pick up on the square, right? It matters. There's, there, there's uh, authority in one and not the other. We have sweet people in our church who call me sometimes and tell me who I need to pray for, and they'll pass on some, uh, some needs. Sometimes those needs are way off, right? Sometimes I'll hear, hey, pray for so-and-so. They're having a brain transplant today. And I'll call and they're having like a stress test or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Y'all may know who, this, who these people are, right? Um, you, you'll, you'll hear, you know, you pray for so-and-so. I heard once pray for 
pray for this young man. You know, he's on an airplane right now, and he's suffering from this and this, and it's an emergency landing, and the world is coming down. And I called the parents, and I said, I am, I'm, I've just heard about this. I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you didn't hear it from me. You know, it, it was, it's one of those things where uh, it matters who it's what, according to. There's authority in that. I'll tell you a story about me. When I was a kid, after my parents divorced, I didn't have it as bad as many people do. But to me, it was an awful time. I was in middle school, fifth grade, and then sixth grade, seventh grade. My family changed dramatically. And I remember just being down and sad uh, as a kid and, and lonely uh, in middle school. And coming out to wait on my ride for that day was one of those moments. Because there were many times that my ride didn't come. Don't know why, no cell phones, nobody to call, nobody to figure it out. Don't know what the arrangements fell through, but I would sit there in the rain or in the cold and I would watch the cars come through the car rider line and I would see kids with nice clothes and nice shoes and good backpacks get into warm cars and dry seats and sit in there with a mom who loved them and talked to them. And I, I just remember <clears throat> looking at that and thinking, wow, what a different, how I would long to have that. Not just the ride, not just the transportation, but the safety of that, the, the care of that, the, the, the provision of that. The, the notion that someone else has got this. And I would watch that and I'd think, well, I guess it's according to whether or not your parents are still together. And I guess it's according to maybe what kind of job your dad has. Or maybe it's according to how you're brought up. Or maybe it's according to the family background you're from. But whatever it's according to, it was not given to me. I wonder if there's a way that, that I could be sure. I wonder if there's a way that, that I could have that. And in my own life, that's been a determination of mine. Never for my kids to have to ask those questions. What's it according to? It's according, in this case, it's according to the counsel of his will. Lord, am I going to be safe in my salvation? Lord, am I going to be provided for in my life? Lord, when the end comes, when I'm laying on the deathbed, can I have the confidence, Lord, that you're going to carry me through? That you've got this, that, that someone bigger, someone better is caring for me? Uh, if, if they were worried about what this rides on, the Bible answers this very clearly. We have obtained an inheritance. You are in a family. You're predestined but before the horizon according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Is there any higher standard than that? I'm in the family. Who says? It's according to the purpose of God. What God? The eternal God, the only God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What happens outside the counsel of God's will? Tell me, nothing. And so if I am saved, if I am called, if I am redeemed and washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
and I am destined for eternity. An inheritance has come upon me. I have a seat at the Thanksgiving table. Who can undo that? No one. It took place in the counsel of the will of God. And when it comes to our salvation, there is no surer foundation and more final assurance than knowing we obtained it according to the irreversible purpose of Almighty God, issuing forth from the divine counsel of his own will. Can God save me today with my sin and my background? Surely I'm not worthy. Uh, surely, uh, surely this guarantee is not for me. No, if, it, if it's according to the counsel of God, the will of God, then listen, you can bank on it. But secondly, to the promise of the inheritance, but also the process of the inheritance. This is very interesting to me. We've talked a lot about predestination. We've talked a lot about <clears throat> choosing before the foundations of the world. But here we see that there's another aspect of this. Maybe you might call it the flip side of the same coin. Something strange happens here. Paul lovingly points them to a time in their lives. A time in their life when they acted, when they heard, and they believed in Jesus. And so we might ask the question, well, which is it? Is it predestination or is it participation? Which, by, by what means was I saved? Was, was this uh, something that happened then before the foundations of the world? Or is this something that happened now in my lifetime? On the day when I believed, on the day when I heard, on the day when I was saved? And the, the answer is both. Was it then or was it now? Yes, it was. It was both. Was it predestination or was it participation? It was both. God has a mystery here that we don't fully understand, but, but it was both uh, determined by him, secured by him, assured by him before the foundations of the, the world, and also it was chosen by us when we heard and when we believed. We had a meal together with our Vietnamese friends at the Revival Vietnamese Baptist Church recently. Uh, this was the first service over at their place, and after it was over, they prepared for us a big meal. Uh, it was so nice. I mean, they, they worked hard. The food was good. It came time for dessert, and I went up, as you know I would, and uh, went to the dessert table, and they handed me a cup, you know, not unlike this cup, a clear plastic cup with milk in it. And I said, what is this? They said, this is dessert. And I said, okay. And so I got back to the table, got my spoon and dipped in it. I felt something down there. I said, oh, this is going to be the desserty part down there. Something solid was down there. I, I pulled it up. Pinto beans, right? I asked myself, is this dessert or is this pinto beans? What was the answer? Both, right? Yes, it is both dessert and pinto beans. They probably thought the strange, strangest things about our food, too. We had some strange things probably to their culture when they came over. And I don't want to be unkind to them. I mean, I was, it was you know, but uh, when I got the dessert, it, was, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't go. The two things seemed incompatible, right? They don't go together. And here we see a process that does not appear to our eyes to go together. In one section of Scripture, we don't have to reach all over the Bible. We find in one nugget of Scripture that both we are predestined and, and that also we heard and we believed. And here are some other places I want you to be confident in 
that the Bible teaches both of these things. Revelation chapter 22, listen to this. Let the one who is thirsty, what? Come. Let the one who desires to take the water of price without price, the water of life without price, come. We can come if we want to. The one who what? Desires to. May what? We may come to God. Revelation chapter 3, 20. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will what? I will come in. Yes, there's predestination. Yes, there's this, this, this foreordaining. But also, there is a sense in which we in our world, we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and we respond to it. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. God, if you predestined everyone, does that mean some people are left out? No, who, who, if anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Has anyone ever called on the name of the Lord and not been saved? No, not according to Scripture. God, how do you do this? How do you, how do you both predestine and how do you also work it so that, that we are participants in this? He does it in the same thing, in the same way he does so many things we don't understand. He is other than us. He is one God in three persons, the Trinity, the triune God. I don't get that, do you? But it is so. I've never seen someone vocalize something into being that they would speak into the world and the material world would respond to it. But God does that. He did it in Genesis did he not? He does all kinds of things that we don't understand. I've never seen a mother uh, be blessed with a child by the Holy Spirit without an earthly father, be born in a manger to a virgin, grow up the Son of God, the hypostatic union, 100% man, 100% God, go to a cross and offer forgiveness of sin. But God is able to do it. How in the world does he predestine and also we participate? <clears throat> I don't know. But I'm not hung up on it. And I don't think we have to be. This is a miracle of God. In Acts chapter 14, the apostle urges the, those listening to turn from the vain things to a living God. There is an action for us to be had in our salvation. We turn. We call. We open the door. We take the water of life. We desire it somehow. In the verse we read in Acts chapter 16 just a few moments ago, that Philippian jailer came rushing in, trembling. You remember that? Trembling. And he knelt down and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did it happen before the foundations? Or did it happen on that cold stone floor of a Philippian jail? Or did it happen in 1992 in my life in Oklahoma? Or did it happen to you at that VBS? Or when, when did this happen? The answer is both. And here's the, the answer that the apostles in that setting did not give. What must I do to be saved? They didn't say, don't even worry about it. There ain't nothing you can do. This stuff is fixed before the foundations of the world. No, they said, believe do it now. Be saved. The Bible talks about the, 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 the ministry of reconciliation. And the apostle writes in a later work of, of Scripture, he says, we plead with you. 
We plead with you, be reconciled to God. Why are we pleading? Why are we sending? Why are we asking you in all confidence to dig in and to give up and to make an offering for missions? Because there is hope nowhere else. But anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And those of us who are saved and those to whom we're sending to be saved, guess what confidence they have? They have such confidence and security in their salvation because it was predestined before the foundation of the world. What a gift of God this is. What a strange little mystery. This is a gift and a blessing. This is a personal salvation. God comes to us. He invites us to be a part of it. This is no distant God who remains before the foundations of the world. He doesn't remain just clothed in the counsel of his will. Chief example of this is the manger. He draws near to us and brings the offer of salvation to all mankind. And he has never turned away anyone who wants to come to him. What a blessing this is. But thirdly, we see the protection of the inheritance. The protection of the inheritance. This is a seal that is given. Once we hear the message, once we believe in Jesus, at that moment we are sealed by whom? The Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit come at some later time? Is there a second blessing? Are, are there special elite Christians who later receive the Holy Spirit? No. Uh, when we hear, when we believe, we are sealed at that moment by the Holy Spirit. This is the truth. God puts a seal upon us that, um, that guarantees our inheritance until we take possession of it. A seal would have been um, something you would use on an envelope. To seal, instead of licking it, you, might, you would take a, a, a wax stick and melt it with the flame until that soft liquid wax was there on the flap of the envelope. And you would take your ring or a stamp and you would impress in it uh, your name or your seal, something that signifies this is from you. And it would hold that letter together and hold the contents in until the day that it was opened. And when somebody received it, they would say, oh, I see who this is from. This is their official seal here. There's no question about it. It comes with their authority. It comes with their ownership. It comes with their possession. That's what this means here. When God puts his seal upon us with the Holy Spirit, we have the authority of God there. Who sealed this man up? Who, who saved this soul? Well, look there. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit is upon him. It's containment like an envelope. The contents don't shake loose. Your salvation doesn't shake out because of this broken world. Not when you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's authority here. There's uh, containment here. There's possession here. Who does this belong to? He belongs to God. Well... You know, we'll see about that. No, the seal of the Holy Spirit is upon him. There's authentication here. It's real. The salvation is real. My grandmother cleaned houses. <clears throat> she made a small living from cleaning houses and offices. And when I got to be about 12 years old, she'd take me with her 
and she would pay me a little bit, and I would help her clean the houses and the offices. She taught me how to clean, and she knew how to clean. She had high standards. Uh, Erica has not learned this yet. Uh, that I, that, but uh, no, you haven't learned that I, that I know about high standards. Anyway, wow. Y'all saw that. <laughs> Forgive me. Y'all give me a welfare check this afternoon if you... <laughs> Erica has not learned that, I'm a, that I have high... That I've learned this from my grandmother. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Woo, mercy. Um, <clears throat> she had high standards. She taught me how to clean. If you walked into a bathroom after Estelle was her name, Edith Estelle, you walked into a bathroom after her, you knew the place had been clean. There were signs and smells everywhere. It was just she knew how to do it. And she would buy cheap supplies when she could. She'd buy cheap ammonia at the Dollar Tree or the Dollar General to clean floors with. She'd buy, you know, Fantastic or 409. She'd buy the generic uh, spray cleaners. But there were a couple things she would not chintz on, and one of them was Windex. She would not get the Glass Plus. You know what Glass Plus is? She wouldn't fool with that stuff. Uh, it was, had to be Windex, brand name, standard blue Windex, with ammonia, what, D, remember that? Uh, the, the, the special ammonia. And when it came to bathrooms, Comet, it had to be Comet, not Ajax, right? It had to be brand name Comet. She would spend a little bit extra because she liked it better. It did the trick. And one day she sent me in <clears throat> to get a few supplies. I couldn't find Comet. I couldn't even find Ajax. I'm going to show you what I came out with uh, Old Dutch cleanser. <clears throat> you thought I had disowned her or that she was going to disown me. <clears throat> it was the wrong brand, right? In certain situations, the logo means everything, right? You know what Krispy Kreme means among all the donuts, right? I mean, it stands for something. I mean, you know what that is. Uh, it makes a difference what the seal represents. And it makes a difference in your life today. This ancient, this, this, this text from Ephesians, from Ephesus, about predestination, about, I mean, this, this is, uh, is kind of hard, weird stuff. Does it go with us at all? I mean, does it matter in, in our mission and in, in our life? You bet it does. For one, one day you're going to be on that deathbed. Or I am, one. And you better believe that at the forefront of your mind it's going to be, was this all for real? Because the next moment is eternity. You want to know that it was for real. And if you, want, if you want something you can count on, you think about where did this come from? Did it come from me being a good person, coming from the right family, being a moral guy, doing good deeds? Did it come from good grades? Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, please and thank you? Or was this determined for me by God, according to his purpose, the purpose of him who worketh all things according to the counsel of his very will. I'll go with number two on that. When my eternity is at stake, does it matter what you, that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, inheritance, guarantee, earnest money? Come on, Matthew. When we, is there more to Ephesians than this? Listen, this stuff matters. You're, if you're in Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
who is the guarantee of your inheritance until such time as we take possession of it. It means something to you. It means something to the world who looks on to see the mark of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. They need that. They thirst for that. The, the, the world is, is filled with the, the knowledge and the, the testimony of Christ because of what you're sealed with. You better believe Satan looks upon that. And he knows that it means something. That one belongs to God. Does that mean we're not tempted? Does that mean we're not harassed? It does mean we belong to him. Signed, sealed, permanent, delivered, final. We belong to God. But for the most, the most important thing of this, what's in view here is this means something to heaven. Because one day you're going to arrive there. And there's going to be a question. By whose authority is he here? You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a question. Uh, has his salvation been contained for all these years? Or has it shaken loose somewhere in life? They're going to see, no, it is sealed up by the Holy Spirit. Who do, to whom does he belong? Well, he is possessed by God. Uh, he is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Who authenticates him as the real son? Who says she is a real heir of salvation? Well, there's the seal. The seal means something. And those who are in Christ have a guarantee of an imperishable inheritance, not because we're strong enough to keep it, not because we're strong enough to keep it, but because God is strong enough to keep us. And when he fixes his seal there, let me tell you what, nobody, nobody can take that away. Not angels, demons, principalities, height, depth, I mean, all, none of this can take, take us away from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God is strong enough, and the seal of the Holy Spirit is God's irrevocable proof of that. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that when you were saved, somehow God determined this uh, prohoriso before the foundations? But on the other hand, there was that moment when, when you heard, when he knocked and you opened and you acted and God invited you personally into a relationship with him. And in that very moment, God said, mine forever. Never going to be taken away. Lastly, we have the purpose of the inheritance. The purpose of the inheritance here. <clears throat> Three times this is mentioned in the just a short few verses is that all of this is to the praise of his glory or to the praise of his glorious grace, which is another way it's put earlier. It's used in verse 12 of Jewish people. And Paul says, those of us who are the first to hope in Christ. He's talking of himself and other Jews, other People of Israel, God's covenant people. Those of us who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. You remember that? And then he looks at the Gentiles and says, and you also. He describes all that's happened to them. And he says, this is the guarantee of our inheritance until we take possession of it to the praise of his glory. And the picture is, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, Listen, your salvation is to the praise of the glory of God. 
and of Christ. It is to the praise of his glory. It's no respecter of persons. It's not about you, right? It's not to the praise of your glory. It could never be to the praise of your glory. Well, I guess they made it to heaven. Must have been a good old boy. I guess they made it. You know, I remember those, those cards he used to send me. They were so sweet. He was just a sweet one. You know, he, he just took care of people. And, oh, he led us. It's, it's never to the praise of your glory. It is always to the praise of God's glory. There's a young lady in our church. I'm going to name her. I asked her permission. Lexi Davis. Uh, she is like a karate master, right? Basically a ninja, right? Uh, okay. But you do a, a black belt, right? Uh, and like stripes on the belt, like black belt plus, 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 right? And so no, oh, number two, okay, number two black belt. So anyway, the other day I went up to her and I said something really dumb. I, I Just one of those things that you say and you wish you didn't say. I said, you know, you're not going to chop me, are you? And uh, as soon as I said it, I thought that was so stupid, you know. Um, she probably hears this stuff all the time. I mean, it's probably the, the joke that everywhere she goes, some old geezer is saying, you know, is saying, you know, something dumb like this, and I just became that to her. And I remember when I was a police officer, every restaurant I'd walk into, every public place, the first person that saw me would say something like this. They'd throw their hands up and they'd say what? I didn't do it. Or they point to their, the guy next, their buddy from work that they're eating lunch with and say, uh, it, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, right? They would point to him. It was that same joke, Lexi, that, that you get everywhere, you know, and I'd have to laugh and, you know, be nice about it. And uh, anyway, you know how it goes. Um, the, the, the message in that is, listen, don't blame me for it. Whatever you're here for, officer, whatever was committed, you know, what, what, ha ha, uh, it wasn't me. The blame goes somewhere else. And that's what's meant here by the praise of his glory. In your salvation, the blame goes somewhere else. And we ought to really say the credit goes somewhere else. We are living out a life, an inheritance, a sonship and a daughterhood given to us by Jesus when we could never have brought it about on our own. Not in a thousand lifetimes could you have grown holy enough to bring this about on your own. It isn't about us. It is to the praise of his glory. Our salvation brings God glory because he did what we could never do. He gave us what we could never earn. And when he was the only one who could save us, he did it. And he did so at a great cost. What a confidence this is. I mean, what a blessing this is. God, how do I know my salvation is for real? Well, listen, I promised it to you. I determined it according to my will. But Lord, how else do I know? Well, you participated in it. I gave you the grace that, that you reached out and took hold of, of my hand somehow. And, and you'll always remember that. And you'll remember my love on that day when I came to you and I didn't have to. And invited you in. Lord, how, do, how can I be confident? This, I've sealed you by the blessed Holy Spirit. That lasts. That means something. And listen, it's all to the praise of my glory. 
it's, it, it, it's not something that you could take credit for. And I praise God for that. And so today as we conclude, there are really two groups I want to send away with this message today. The first group is those of us who do not find yourself in Christ today. You've never placed your trust in God's one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the Christ, has come to offer salvation, but you've never placed your faith in Him. I want you to know with all earnestness that the wealth of what is described here can never be gotten on your own. You will not do it. You will not do it. You either receive this inheritance by God, by placing your belief in Jesus Christ, or friend, you stand without a Savior. That's the reality today. The question for you, have you placed your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ? And why let another day go by when eternity is at the door? But the second crowd today I want to address, I want to address those who you know you're in Christ, who you remember that day when God called you, when you answered that call, when you became his, when the seal was placed. This inheritance, friends, is a transformational inheritance. It changes who we are. It changes whose we are. It changes where we're from and where we're going. Are you living a changed life? The way you live your life suggests what you think of this inheritance of what God has done. I'm going to ask you, what does your life suggest? What does your state of mind profess with regard to your salvation? Are you an heir of salvation this morning? And if so, are you living your inheritance? Let me pray for us. In just a moment, I'd like to offer you a chance to respond. and Maybe there's a decision you need to make in your life. And if today you find yourself outside of Christ, but you don't want to be there any longer, you're sitting on the curb and cars are coming by and salvation seems to be for everyone else but not for you after all you feel like you don't deserve it after all it depends on things outside your control after all that's for other people hope you know today that the invitation is open to anyone who would call on the name of the Lord you can come this morning 3104 Poplar Springs Church Road you can start a journey of salvation that will not fail. Maybe you come for church membership today or some other need in your life. I'll be here to pray for you or give you privacy, whatever you need. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for trusting it to us. I pray that you would have made it uh, worthwhile today that you would send it into our hearts in the way that you mean to. We pray that we would be different because of what you've done for us in Christ. Transform us. Make us to live out this inheritance as if it is real, because it is. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.